are, are, is this really already starting the Firestoss conversation, AQ? Yes. How dare you? Starting right off the bat. He's a nice guy, but it's been, <laughs> it's been coming. Oh, you guys want to see something funny? Is that? It's an Andrea Bargnani bobblehead. I was about to say. Prima pasto and sauce. The first European number one pick in NBA history. Uh, the the only, isn't the he? The only. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Luca should have been. <laughs> they're, they're actually, so the first ever non-U.S. born player uh, pick number one was Michael Thompson. Clay Thompson's dad. He's from Bahamas. Carl uh, Malone was like 13th or something. Carl Malone was 13th. There, okay. there were like four power forwards drafted ahead of Carl Malone. That's funny. The Jazz picked... Malone, 13th. They also picked Mitchell, 13th. Yeah. Saddest thing is 2017 and 2018, 13th overall picks. Mitchell and Bam Adebayo. Players that we could have drafted. The Blazers could have drafted. Well, true. <laughs> and we had links to both of them. So it just makes it more sad. Crazy, man. Crazy. I, I still think the NBA is rigged. Uh, in la draft lottery, but the team that with the worst record rarely gets it. like because the odds aren't that great. I know, but the Bobcats, the Charlotte Bobcats, had the worst record in NBA history. Yeah, I mean, I don't really believe it, but it's just yeah. it's just funny. How lucky is that though? From the same just, city, like when when it's when it's a lottery, or maybe the lottery has never been based on skill. That's for sure. Maybe it's some sticky balls, man. Sticky balls. <laughs> when the Pelicans got Zion, I stopped believing it because Zion would have made way more way more sense in L.A. or not L.A. The Lakers didn't have it in New York. No, the Lakers got the fourth pick in that draft. Oh yeah, we're, you're right. You're right. We we're gonna trade Zion to New Orleans anyways if they had gotten it for Davis. Probably. It's a little. Fainter than normal. Mm. Frustrating, man. Crazy. It must be like the line is dying or something. I just got to get a new cord, hopefully. Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. I'm looking at some more beautiful weather out here in Hood River. How is it looking for you, Mikey, over in Portland? It has been looking fantastic, Keith. AQ, how are things looking? Yeah, um, actually, um, it's pretty crazy. Uh, there's been another uh, police shooting incident last night. It's going to be, you know, crazy few weeks. Um, the verdict for um, <clears throat> the Derek Chauvin trial is going to be yeah. said next week, so... Um, Minnesota is going to be crazy and we'll be on the news a lot next few weeks here. Yeah, man. Please yeah. be safe out there. And it is, Absolutely. Uh, it, sorry, it definitely, it, we, we did not intend that as any sort of joke for anyone either, this, but it, it's, it's sad and depressing that it is pretty much as common as talking about the weather at this point, how this is happening literally as the trial is going on, uh, for one of the, the biggest, <laughs> I don't know, however you even want to put it, uh, in all, all of this latest plague and no we're not even talking about covid we're talking about the plague that's been in america much longer and it's probably going to be here far long after uh we've all been vaccinated for the virus you are 100 percent right iq and and i'm not 
sure how to really kind of uh, move on from this. Obviously, we talk about basketball uh, to kind of put a smile on, but even uh, basketball, they canceled the Nets-Wolves game tonight because of the, uh, of the murder of Dante Wright. So, yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate that we that that it, it happens uh, just as frequently as, you know, sunshine or rain at this point. Yeah. Sad time. Some great yeah. words. And set up pretty well um it's it's crazy um it's disgusting that this isn't as normal as talking like you said like just you know talking about nba games every night like it's just as normal as i need it shouldn't be um so i hope that um i hope that things get better that's really all i can say um i hope that like we all figure out a way to get through this yeah yes sir move on to the lighter uh, topics that we are here for. The Blazers have had uh, several games we can go over, and, you know, maybe it's a good place to also just kind of vent off what, what else are sports for than to kind of vent off some steam as far as uh, uh, some ugly, ugly basketball. We can rant about that for a bit, and hopefully that uh, helps put put people's uh, hearts at ease a little. But let's start with the, uh, the game, games on the road here. We hit up the Clippers down in L.A. Uh, for... The worst first quarter in French in Blazers history, uh, a 133-116 loss overall. Dame held to 11 points, six assists in this one. This is not too bad, but 11 points, obviously, two of 14 field goals. Not what we usually are looking for from uh, Dame, let alone any of our star players or role players at this point. Uh, anyone else have any notes from the first game on this trip, or should we just zip right along down the road? I just thought it was, yeah, that first quarter was too much to handle like it's just terrible defense um it was just the blazers kind of playing down they they made it like kind of a game in the second quarter like up to the half and then yeah it just went downwards from there as well and uh yeah it was uh it was everything i think you would kind of feared about the blazers playing the clippers albeit like in a road game and kind of with getting Nurk back into the lineup and everything there, but yeah, not the, yeah, it was a, a low point of the, the last of lot. Only thing I would say is that the Cl- LA Clippers are a potential um, play our um, first round matchup for Portland. And I think we had talked about it last week. Uh, I think it was either you or Michael or Keith saying that you guys would prefer the Clippers. And this is exactly why I wouldn't prefer the Clippers. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I did say that I preferred the Clippers. Yeah. And that I saw this game and I was like, eh, maybe. Right. <laughs> the length to bother Dame. I think I saw a stat on Reddit. It was like Dame's last like like six, seven games against the Clippers has been very horrible. And ever since they got Kawhi and PG, like we haven't had a good record against them and they would shoot us out of the building. Um, yeah. So that was that was really like the only thing I saw. We could say that for every playoff team we played this season. There's no good matchups for the Blazers. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
that, that has been the problem. We will definitely come back to that. But it was pretty fitting that right after we were talking about all the playoff matchups last week as far as who we would like to face, we saw well, I mean, an ugly game, a game against, excuse me, we saw an ugly game against the Clippers for sure. I will say, you know, Powell and Rocco, uh, we, we had some good stuff from the role players, but just not enough from any of the uh, stars, especially, you know, with Dame going 2-14. But that wasn't the only time we're going to see something like that from Dame. And so you move on down to Utah uh, to end out this road trip that we were on, a 122-103 to loss. Uh, we actually looked better in the first half of this game, I thought, than we looked at all in the Clippers game, uh, which was a little surprising to me, considering that Utah wasn't one of the playoff matchups we talked about because we're just kind of assuming these guys are out of our range. Uh, obviously, it fell apart pretty hard in the second half. Uh, Dame, once again, I don't remember what his overall score was here, if either of you have that pulled up, but I know he couldn't get any free throws. Uh, and again, not unique only yeah. to this game uh, this Dame's week. But 23, 8 of 21 from the field, uh, got to line only six times. Okay, so 23 is not as bad uh, as, what do we say, the game before, 11 points. Uh, but 23 on 21 field goals, you said? Yes. Yeah, that's a little bit more of a problem. Uh, yeah, not great. Obviously, uh, I think the trend we're starting to see here, and we'll touch on this more in the game from last night uh, versus Miami here at home, which I have a lot to say about. Uh, but <laughs> teams are figuring out how to defend Dame, and the Blazers aren't really doing much to change that. And you, you would think at this point, with what we've seen from Covington being a proficient three-point shooter and bringing in Norman Powell, who's even more so, uh, and having Cantor that can score as well inside and having Nurk back healthy, you'd think we'd have a few more options when they are starting to pressure Dame like this. And uh, we didn't see it this week as much. So uh, we did see some nice stuff, though, against Denver. We come home off the road, uh, played uh, the one victory of the week, 118 to 103. And beyond the victory, we had Cantor just showing off what he does best, like nobody else grabs a franchise best 30 rebounds overall. Uh, I think I saw. The last time that a Blazer had more than 25 was Prisbilla uh, 12 years ago. So 12 or 13 years ago wow. is what it was. Uh, and I, again, I had this in front of me at one point. I don't remember. I can pull this up in a second. But do either of you guys remember offhand who held the record before Cantor? Sidney Wicks had 27. There we go. And that was like year one of the of the franchise is what it was. And I think it was an overtime game where he played like 50-something odd minutes is what I heard on the broadcast. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, so so Cantor just really just flexing on on all of Blazers history in that game against Detroit. So that was kind of a nice highlight in the midst of all this, right? And if, uh, if you're talking recent NBA history, I think he's the first player to have a 20 plus points and 30 rebounds since Kevin Love, uh, I think in like 2010 when he had that famous 30. 30-30. Yep. Yeah, I, I remember that Kevin Love game. That's awesome. Yeah. Bring Kevin yeah. Love home. No. <laughs> <laughs> I am not sure if that's so Portland or back to Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Also, also fair. Uh, okay, so again though, in this game against Detroit, Dame still can't get free throws. He, he did get six or seven attempts, and I think it's, that's just under his season average. But there were so many plays where it felt like he's getting contact and he's looking at the refs. And I understand this is a thing players do. I know that we could argue about like how much is he just trying to sell to them and, and set up for later, but. Dame is not a player to usually get texts, and he he picked up a, a couple uh, talking about it in, I think, I don't know if it was this post game or the one before, but this is not something where I think he's acting. I don't think he's going about this and just trying to get in the ref's ear. He's really feeling like he's getting a lot of contact, and I think, I don't know, I, I it, it is a little frustrating, I think, seeing Dame not getting the calls that I would I would say he deserves at this point, no matter what he's averaging uh, on the season, but 
I don't know. Are, are you guys seeing this as well, or am I crazy? I thought last night that CJ McCollum was getting hacked, and they were not calling it. So, yeah, it, the refs can be kind of selective sometimes. Like, everybody wants consistency and, you know, just uh, kind of everybody having equity of calls, and that doesn't always happen. I'm, I'm not saying they have to be robots either. I, I get what, you're, what you mean, but, like, selective is one thing, but I'm just saying, like, selective versus, versus consistency, but I'm just saying – if you call, if if the one group of refs is calling the first half, uh, like letting them play, kind of let them get physical, I want the same in the second half. Yeah. If you call it for one side, I want it for the other side. And that, again, like last night, I feel like it was just – That's the equity. I, I'm sorry if this is just being a Blazers homer too much, but it, it just felt like it was that thing where the game is getting run over. Like Butler's just leaning in on his knee to the point that he falls to the ground. And then on the other hand, on the other end, if we are just making any sort of contact at all, there was a point where Nurk is jostling with Iggy and Iggy sells it big time. Like Nurk definitely tapped him on the chest, but didn't like shove him. And Iggy like, whoa, throws back to the ref and a ref behind Iggy calls, oh, you know, foul on Nurk. When you have so many cameras on the game, it just seems like an odd uh, inconsistency. That being said, like, do I feel like the refs are out to get the Blazers? Probably not. No, but yeah, yeah. And like I, at the same time, yes, absolutely, it could be done better. I just, it's, it's I, no, I for one am not completely sure what that better is, and you know, if it is having like you know the fourth review official or or something like that, right. kind of be more like uh, stepping up rather than it having to come during a challenge. Like I, I, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, and, and I agree. And anyway, like you said there, we, we definitely touched on this last time. And I think that's the way to go is just giving the refs more assistance. You know, we've seen a little bit over the last few years uh, being able to review more plays and all that kind of thing. And so it's changing for the better. But when you have this many fans out there, when it has grown, when the NBA has grown to what it is and we have the technology we do, I just feel like we could get a little bit more going. But, OK, I'm glad you, you guys have heard. Uh, my my bit there and again it's it's not a conspiracy against the blazers it's just i think that we can do better okay uh beyond beyond the officiating though what happened to dame uh we see <laughs> the 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 blazer on blazer violence between Cantor and Derek jones's elbow uh but then more importantly the big injury that i want to get towards last night uh nurk's injury it didn't look like there was much contact it, this injury itself whatever happened to him uh, i think they said it was a sacral contusion sacral contusion so basically a bruised tailbone. Uh, I don't know if they're saying that that was like, you know, from the, you know, the game itself or maybe just inflammation from all the other things he's had going on. But it does kind of start to beg the question of what AQ, what you and I have talked about a bit recently uh, as far as Nurk's injury history. And, you know, that, that, that basketball phrase that we all know and love, the best ability is availability. How much of this starts to affect Nurk's value? Like, where does it become a question of, uh, you know, like, like, is is he really this piece that we're building around going forward? Are we, uh, is 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 there any way that I can kind of deflect some of the stats hate towards like, you know, hey, maybe spread this out, get some uh, people mad at Nurk, and then no one has to leave. We can, you know, <laughs> kind of spread the guilt around. Uh, or uh, where, where where are we standing on Nurk right now, IQ? Yeah, so I guess it's first it's important to note that he's still only 26, so still has like you know a couple more Very good years in his prime remaining. But it's it's been a major issue. There's he's been very unlucky. That's also another thing. Um, I would like to say you know that that horrific uh, injury versus Brooklyn a couple years ago. Um, I still remember that like 
I had to take a break from like watching. I didn't even watch the rest of the game. Um, and then, you know, like just a couple things here and there, like that's just not really his fault. But like, you know, we said availability is the best ability and you have to start taking into account how much uh, his availability fits his contract and the value that from that contract. And I don't think it's matching up right now. Uh, and the worst part is that he can't really find any rhythm because he starts missing few games here and there um, and he can't really get it going so it's a problem and I know there's been talk on like Blazers Twitter of potentially trading Nurk this offseason which is interesting to say the least um, but yeah I would say right now it's, it's a major issue honestly if if anything I feel like trying to trade him immediately trading him this offseason is I feel like that's not like you're you're selling selling low you know what i mean it's he's had so much of an injury history and hasn't at least recent injury history uh that i don't see any teams like really wanting to give anywhere near what i think blazers would expect to get um mikey i want to get your opinion on this too but let me just kind of summarize in between here uh as far as just to really lay this out uh nurk's history with the blazers we traded for we, we traded mason plumley uh, for draft picks, and Nurk was kind of the throw-in here. He was not the meat of the deal. Obviously, he turned out to be amazing the rest of that season, and Blazers fans fell in love with Nurk Fever and all the rest. And he actually played uh, 79 games in 72 the next two seasons for us. So he hasn't always had injury history. But then, the 1920 season, he only played eight games with a broken leg. Uh, the 2021 season, he has played 19 games, counting the Miami game last night, of 53 so far. He's had a broken thumb or wrist, whatever that first one was, where he missed 25 games, I think, without actually doing too much research here. Uh, he had a calf strain while recovering from that. That caused him to miss probably another 10 or so on top, I think is what uh, kind of the word was. And when he came back from that, he's been on 20 minute limit. Uh, he came back during our the second game of our 4-0 road trip, so you know, it kind of looked good at first, but 20-minute limit. And even with that limit and uh, kind of reserve play, he got knee inflammation, which has caused him to miss two games since coming back. It was the Clippers game on the road and uh, Saturday versus Detroit, I think, uh, soon after that. And now, obviously, like we, we saw last night against Miami, the sacral contusion. So... Mikey, yeah, like, do you do you agree with AQ? Like, are, are you seeing any sort of uh, smoke as far as uh, Blazers trying to trade this guy in the near future? Is he still someone we're trying to build around? If if he could get healthy, does he still not fit best? And, and I guess maybe as a follow-up for both of you, let me just throw one more thing out there. Uh, kind of similar to what we say sometimes with the coaching stuff, if you're going to get rid of this guy, who is available that actually fits better? Like, who, who else would be an option? Yeah, that, that's what I would worry about as far as getting rid of Nurk. Um, I, for one, still, like, you're absolutely right in that availability is incredibly key. And Nurk has been, you know, just hurt. Well, obviously, the, the leg injury, you couldn't really do anything to predict that. But yeah, he's been injury prone. And um, I, I will say that I agree with you, Keith, in that I'm not sure what his value is, and I'm not sure what you would really get to replace him. Um, is Zach Collins maybe what they're kind of thinking, like if they give him, let's say, like the qualifying offer or anything like that, but then you still want somebody as like a backup plan and you need to worry about Ennis Cantor's contract. Um, I, for one, don't feel like Nurk is making like exceptional amounts of money and if you do well obviously you would get rid of Nurk in a trade so yeah I 
I don't know. I, I'm not completely sure about doing that, especially based on the fact that, like, last year when he came back in the bubble, he looked great. Like, he did only play those eight games in the bubble, but he looked really good. And then I thought he played pretty well in the playoffs as well. Um, but, yeah, if you were to get rid of him, you'd want something as a backup plan. Um, I Like, I never really felt like the Blazers were building around Nurk. I just thought he was kind of part of it. And they were always looking for, you know, like a backup center or, or somebody good who could, you know, like be that um, player like Ennis Cantor or Zach Collins who could, you know, take over in the meantime. Um, you don't, so, yeah, I like I, I. You don't you don't think the Blazers have kind of like turned Nurk into uh, like, you know, kind of part of the core? Like, I, I would say that at least for a while he was kind of considered almost less. um less replace what am i trying to say more more valuable more part of the core than even cj like again cj was kind of that guy where fans were like okay well if there was a piece that was movable that's not I, just me don't look at me like i'm crazy i never really got there no dude i, I remember <laughs> you guys having this conversation and me saying that i still believe cj mccollum was the blazers second best player um okay, okay. but yeah i like nurk obviously nurk is a, he's a good starting center but I think the the people kind of like seeing him as like this all star like building block to get to that next level that that was always kind of something that was a, a little hard to believe based on you know the fact that he had dealt with injuries and and all of those things I, I'm I'm willing to roll with him for now I always thought it was just a, a fantastic trade and the thing is that it could indeed be worse and the the major reason I felt that they traded Mason Plumlee for uh, Nurk, which I thought was a fantastic deal at the time, and I think it's turned out to be very good at the very least, um, was they had to worry about signing him. And I think Mason Plumley ended up getting like 15 million a year from Denver, and Nurk was like, you know, low 13s, 12. I'm good with that. But yeah, like if you're worried about getting to that next level, then maybe they will move on. It, it, it's certainly a possibility. I would be good with keeping Nurk. I just think like the expectations are for a player that's making what Nurk is making have to be tempered. Do you guys feel like after Nurk fever and kind of this initial, uh, like kind of, uh, the, the romance period that Blazers fans had with Nurk and now seeing it kind of crash so hard as far as the injuries have gone and what he's uh, done for us recently, if he never returns to that kind of first phase, I mean, does that kind of affect his value as well? Like as far as the Portland, uh, perspective, like, do you, do you think, uh, I don't know. I, did we set the bar too high, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. Did we set it high in that initial phase where it's unrealistic? He's never, you know, maybe never going to live up to that. It's certainly, he's not as much of an offensive factor as you saw in the past. Like, that that's for sure. And, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like it, it eventually gets to the point where, yeah, if he's not like this, huge you know uh building block or or kind of part of that foundation th there could be reason to move on from him um but yeah like, he still has that year, the contract next year the 12 million um we'll, we'll see what happens man well, like the, the biggest thing is that he's not going anywhere I, yeah i think I, like we can talk about it as much as we can but like yeah nurk's gonna stay everybody's probably gonna stay at least for, more, okay, okay. So more if, than if, likely, yeah. That, let, that's let's say, let me give a theoretical here. Let's say Nurk got healthy 
uh, he played 79 games of 82 next season. Because we've seen that from him before in a Blazers jersey. What numbers, points, rebounds, uh, and points, rebounds, and, you know, throw in assists or blocks if you feel like you know what he'd be doing. What numbers would you expect from him if he's going to play a full season healthy for us next year? AQ, what do you think as far as, like, uh, you know, yeah, he's going to be here, like you said. So what are you expecting him to put up? Like, his usual, you know, 14, 15 points uh, with, like, 9, 10 rebounds a game and good defense, uh, good defensively, which is kind of what I expect from him. So defense yeah. maybe being a key factor as far as what's bringing some of that value? Yep. Especially with what we've got so absolutely. far? Mike, can you agree I, with those numbers? Echo, I absolutely echo that, yeah. I, I don't hey. expect much more than that or much less. If you know, th- That's just what you kind of come to expect from Nurk. Not, it's not really happening this year. Like even if you go by his per minute numbers, like he's actually rebounding as well as ever, but th- just the scoring seems to be down. And I think uh, the efficiency as well. Yeah. And, and obviously that I think is going to be pretty strongly tied to health and just getting him back in, having a good run. And he hasn't really had a chance yet to kind of come back healthy and kind of get it, get up to speed, if you will. Um, before we have kind of our, you know, final topic and, and then a few small ones, uh, I want to kind of tie in right here. What if we, if we just run it back, if we run this roster back, like not changing wings, not changing uh, any of these guys around. Cause that is essentially the potential, right? Uh, it might take a little bit to kind of get Powell in here. It sounds like as far as the contracts go, but what would you expect? Uh, like would, would that be something you guys are in on or is it more of just there's this season has been frustrated enough. They haven't been able to put the defense together. Uh, we're making changes and AQ will get to the change that you're thinking of in just a second. I I'm, I'm not sure how stoked I am on that. Honestly, not like stoked on this roster. I, I, I was stoked. And I, I'm still like, I still want to give Norman a chance. And I, I think, you know, he's shown some good things. And like you saw what he's done with the Raptors the past couple years. Um, but I'm like, his contract is going to be something you have to worry about. Like he's going to want a lot more money. And I, I think, you know, it'll just be about um, whether the Blazers are willing to pay the luxury tax or whatever they, they have to pay by re-signing Norman, um, likely for a long-term deal as well. And then, um, yeah, like, I'm just, if we're at this point where we like all, I don't know, maybe not you, Keith, but AQ and I certainly believe <laughs> that the Blazers don't have much of a playoff chance with this roster, how is next year going to necessarily change that? Like, just the, the cohesion? Is, is well, that a healthy Nurk? Yeah, like, a, a healthy Nurk and CJ for that big chunk of games. Like, but maybe, that's, like get out of this oh, fifth, six seed, maybe we're up to third or something like that. Is that, does that, but, that doesn't change that, anything. Like, are you, are you necessarily, like, confident about being the sixth seed? Like, we, we were a third seed before and got swept by a sixth seed, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Fair point. So, yeah, it, like the West is a beast, man, and and the Blazers, I I like I like this roster, but I don't, I don't love it when it comes to the playoffs. You know the mm-hmm. funny thing about this Blazers team, I think when I look at it, like I I can't find like any major like weaknesses. It's weird. Like when you when you look back to like the previous game teams, um, you know you can always pinpoint. Oh man, like. Like the wings, the Blazers are really weak there. But Covington and Jones, theoretically, like I think everybody thought they were going to be decent going into the season, and they and Covington especially has been really good. I think on both ends, uh, Derek Jones Jr. You know, hit and miss. He has his good games. But like 
and the depth is like I think sneaky good, um, but also sneaky bad at the same time because um, not really a lot of like offensive talent when you think about it. Like I don't really know what to make of this team. I feel like they should be much better. And to me, the first thing that I have to point out, and I know you didn't want us to talk about it just yet, is like that's coaching to me. Then like when no, when I okay yeah perfect transition. Take it away, sir. Okay, like, I, I figured you were saving most yeah. of your fire for this segment. So. Right, right. Like it's just like this team is talented. I I'm trying to figure out like pinpoint exactly where it's going and. Going off of comments I've heard from Gary Trent Jr. talking about the, the defensive system and the, the communication that happens in Toronto, it to me it's it's clear that Terry Stotts is not a good defensive coach. He hasn't been. He's an amazing offensive coach. I think he's very underrated offensively. I know a lot of Blazers fans will be like, "Oh, his offense is just Dame Isos," but Dame kiss or a Dame offense by himself isn't you know a top ten offense for the last seven years. Like. Terry has a good offensive system. He plays well to Dame's system. But defensively, he's not a good defensive coach. We've seen it for nine seasons now. I think I think it's time for a change. Okay, so the argument I'd say on the other side of this would be even bringing in, like theoretically, if you were able to bring in a defensive guru for a coach uh, to replace Dotson as head coach, it's, it's debatable how much of a difference a coach really makes if the players aren't putting out the effort. I will say this, though. I, something that he is um, not good at, and um, I don't know if you guys follow Nate Jones on Twitter, uh, Dame's um, agent. Um, he was talking yesterday about how Terry is uh, very bad at getting da- changing the offensive system when teams lock on Dame, and we've seen it, you know. Right. Ever since Dame's been the number one guy since 2015, Terry's very stubborn to offensive changes. He doesn't put his players in the best positions. But but again, we have like you pointed out as well, like you, we have the pieces here that you'd think would be a good defensive unit. And while the coaching obviously could get more out of them, I don't. I just don't know if. Uh, I don't know if who, who's your ideal defensive coach. Who's going to come in and change this team from a historically bad defense to let's say a top ten? See. I don't think it has to be a defensive coach. We we are seeing good offensive coaches. Mike Boomhoser. I know he has some good offensive players like Giannis is an amazing defensive player. I mean, um, Mike Boomhoser is known for his offense, and the Bucks are continuously a top tier defense. There's a lot of other um, offensive coaches who can lead good defenses. So it doesn't have to be necessarily like a Tom Thibodeau coming in because the Knicks have a really good defense this year. Uh, it could be a mixture of both, you know. But still, is, isn't sorry. We're just cutting Mikey off because we make you like yell about this all the time with each other. That's uh, all good. Isn't I? I you know. I guess uh, Mikey, you you answer this one. Uh, <laughs> as far as like, if you do get even Budenholzer or one of these coaches in here, that's not like that. Just brings more defense than we're saying Stoss brings. It still is going to be up to the players to execute, to get out there on the floor, and to work together. And I don't know the the defense as historically bad as it has been, with the players we have out there. I just I can't seem to say that that is. You know, just the, the coach's motivating speeches being the that big of a difference, that big of a change, I guess. Yeah, well, it, it's always personnel. Like, and let's also be real that there's a reason that the Blazers are the 29th place team, and it's not just Terry Stotts. You're absolutely right there. But they've struggled on defense for years in the backcourt. They've they've had really tough times defending wings. They they get burned by a like a lot of the top wings in in the game. So yeah, that, that's 
just been an issue for a really long time. And partially it's because you're, you're making some trade-offs here with the Blazers team. Like that, that's always been, been the roster. Robert Covington is a great individual defender, but that doesn't mean that, you know, if he's guarding Giannis and Tentacupo, that he's not going to go off for 47 points. I want to go back to what you were saying about Derek Jones Jr. Cause I, I was just looking up, um, he has 45 dunks on the season in 48 games. The year before he had 84 and 59. He's playing more minutes per game this year. Like th- that is okay. a little crazy. So yeah, I, I just uh, was a little surprised about that. Oh, yeah. I, I was expecting him to get as many as he had in Miami and he's not. He's so not. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So he has uh, 45 and 48 games this year. He had 84 and 59 last year. 84 and 59. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So definitely a different rate. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and in fewer minutes per game, but again, like in Miami, he was basically a backup. Like he, he was playing, I think like 23 minutes per game, like somewhere around there. Um, and like, I don't think anybody fully expected like Derek Jones jr. To be playing like huge minutes. Like he was eventually going to be uh, like, he was, he was definitely like a stop gap until they got like another wing. And right. uh, like, it's been nice seeing Nazir Little get some minutes and, you know, y- you bring in uh, like a Rondé Hollis Jefferson and of course, Norman Powell now taking the the starting three spot. But um, yeah, basically I, I'm just, uh, I, th- I think it does come down to personnel and I think the Blazers have always had some personnel issues just in terms of their defense and kind of their offense being a trade-off for sometimes having like a, a poor defense. It just, yeah. I don't think it has to be this bad. Yeah, I, it, it certainly shouldn't. We're seeing, uh, I mean, I, I hate to make any sort of a, uh, ad, admirable comparison towards the Nets right now uh, with how much I hate like everyone on that team. Not everyone, just the <laughs> star players. Uh, but yeah, they, they've got plenty of offense over there and they're certainly not going to be known for their defense, but they're not falling apart the way we are against any sort of contending teams. Although again, maybe not the time to make the comparison after uh, the game we just saw. Uh, <laughs> but with the uh, with the roster we have, like, again, like just coming back to as far as if we do have fairly good defensive players, and maybe they can make some sort of coach adjustment, whether it's uh, coaches have or what. Were you gonna say something, Mikey? Oh, I, I'm so when when you say fairly good defensive players, <laughs> who are like Robert Covington, okay. obviously being one. So okay, you you, you mentioned kind of the um. With the roster we have, with the backcourt we have, with Damon CJ being the undersized guards, being the offensive guards uh, that they are, they are always going to be limited defensively. So then we have to have players uh, who are able to make up for that uh, on, defensively on the other end. Nurk, I think, is a good uh, example of that, where even if he has trouble scoring, uh, he is he's a, a playmaking big who can take pressure off the guards. He's a defensive presence at the rim. Uh, that's the kind of prototypical big man we need. Uh, Cantor is amazing. I love the rebounding and I love the offense, but we need for these guards, we need more defense around them. Uh, oh. Robert Covington is another good example. I think Derek Jones Jr. I see him as a more than a better than average defender. Yeah, That's like, maybe debatable on metrics. Good. Yeah. The thing you really worry about with it, like he, cause he, he does it. He'll make those flash plays and he's like one of the most absurd vertical athletes in the league. Yeah. Um, he's a health he defender. Weighs like a buck eighty-five. Right. Like that, that's the like, big thing with him. Like, but how old is DJ? So slight. Actually, how, DJ old is he? How, how old is he? 
he's oh so he's he is just 24 24 okay so so yeah so 65 210 pounds my oh he's 210 how is he that's so light <laughs> for, a dude, for a dude who's 6'5 and he's 24 years old that is the hope though i mean like let this yeah. guy grow into an nba body as you'd say you know uh, I, I, i'm not saying it's gonna happen next it's, year it's but... getting there like it's getting to that <laughs> point where you're like you're, you gotta do it man I love that. I love that Derek Jones Jr. just seems to be the the sticking spot. Like whenever we can go, we're talking stats, it comes back to DJ. Yeah. We're talking about Nurkic, it's gonna come back to DJ. He just seems he's the the the, the gum right. on the wheel as we go around. Too bad, yeah. Like it, it's too bad that it's become this kind of uh, talking point. Like I, I didn't like what Terry Scott said about him. I like you know the, the whole like we're 29th with Derek and we're 29th without him and yeah. I like. I, I I don't know. I, I think Terry says these days just makes me mad. Okay, honestly, I don't know when you <laughs> want to transition to this, but I feel like there's a very rotten uh, structure. Or just There's just something very rotten about the organization right now. I, I don't know if you guys feel it as well, but, you know, Jason Quick is always putting articles out on how the organization is kind of reeling on stats. Um, and then uh, all these blowout losses. I feel like... I don't want to say it, but I feel like it's it's a, it's an end of an era. Like I feel like it's it's coming up to end of an era. I don't know if you guys feel that too, but it's just how I feel. I think it should have been that for a while. Like I, I I'm I'm a little surprised it's gone on this long, and I I almost want to say like you know let, let's go maybe like a step higher than Terry Stotts and and maybe start there as well. Are we ready to start the combo on Olshay? Because I'm ready. Oh man, <laughs> we've been ready. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Here, wait. Quick fork in the road. What if it was, one, if it was one or the other, like if you were keeping one and, and ditching the other, are you keeping Stotts or keeping Olshay? Oh, I'm keeping Stotts. Oh. Oh, look at see, <laughs> That was perfect. You guys timed that perfectly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> over Olshay, for sure. You, you're keeping Stotts over Olshay, and AQ, yeah. you had, you said you're keeping Olshay over Stotts. You're going for more Olshay Olshay because Olshay, he's sneakily drafted well. Uh, in his what eight years here in Portland, nine years. We're just talking about the guys he could have had, man. Yeah, but, the, yes. but there, there, there has definitely been argument too. Game. He sneakily drafted CJ. Garrett Trent, Nas Little, um, Anthony Simons. I mean, uh, okay, Gary free Trent, agency. He's a different agency. He's been horrible. Exactly, and yeah. and man, like Keith and I. This is how Keith and I met. We talked about the Myers Leonard thing, <laughs> and that was Olshay sticking with one of his boys. Yeah, and like you know, I, I just thought like that guy. happened so often. Trust and me, I would love to get rid of both. You if we get rid about, of both, um, and Olshay. You hear about sorry, but you you just you hear about um like even how he feels about Portland and and everything like that. Like I, I just I kind of wonder. I don't know. I, I it's been something I've been thinking about for a really long time. So. Yeah. You know the biggest thing also, and this also pertains to the Seattle Seahawks because they're also having a lot of problems, is um, since Paul Allen passed away in uh, was that October 2018, um, both teams have been owned by uh, Paul's sister. I forgot her name. Yes. Um, and there's been reports that she's really like kind of offsite uh, lets uh, the heads of the team. So in this case for Portland. Um, uh, Olshay, and then for Seattle, you know, John Schneider and Pete Carroll. And it's it's a little funny that both teams are kind of running into problems in 2021. Um, 
but like who's there to step in and like really like take control of the situation because those guys up top, O'Shea, P. Carroll, they're not they're not doing that to themselves. I don't know if you guys have made that connection. It's just something I thought about recently. Oh, I, I think you're absolutely correct there. And like Paul Allen, it always seemed like was pretty hands on. And like this hands off approach, I, I don't think is necessarily any better. Um, but yeah, you you like you want ownership to at least be like part of it and and kind of be there, and uh, or at least be something in the background. Um, so and, like the one one thing I will say is at least like it hasn't been or at least it hasn't been reported that like you know she's been like negative about the team or like anything about that or like saying like like doing like a Robert Sarver and like dumping salary or or something like that like he used to do. Um, so yeah, like I, but yeah, like, I, I think that could be a factor as well. Like you, I, I agree. Well, all right. We're just, uh, we're just going to tear down and burn down the entire, uh, uh, Blazers, uh, front office. So let, let's, uh, let's, if you guys let's, let's make it. them the scapegoats <laughs> instead of letting them scapegoat stats and, and, and the, and the players and the rest. If you guys visit the R rip city subreddit on RNBA, this is basically yeah. all the companies that like that. <laughs> yeah. Right now, like oh, no. everybody wants to kill everybody. Um, I down. think if you gave no. them the option, they would burn down the facilities uh, and just save Dave. beautiful facilities. Let, let's not go back. Walton's a nice place. It, it, it's it's good over there. Uh, uh, not as nice as Hood. Oh, I would have been there last week if uh, things were were normal with the Nike Hoop Summit. But um, oh. yeah, back when we could see each other face to face. Let me make one other tie-in here, uh, because uh, I guess uh, Mikey, uh, you you've kind of inadvertently pointed out that this is like the Trailcasters uh, tradition at this point. Uh, but if you know, we, we I mentioned earlier, uh, if the team were to run it back next year with the roster, that was met with mixed reviews. We uh, have talked about the coaching change, if maybe that was where things got scapegoated to. And even though IQ uh, wants to fire his thoughts, uh, uh, he, he he even admitted uh, that. If there were other options, like, you know, kind of scapegoating the uh, uh, front off instead, he's willing to look at that. So I want to bring up one other option that has gained steam. Once again, it's coming around. It's not just me talking about it, Mikey, but other people are bringing <laughs> up. If we're looking for some sort of value in a trade, that value comes from none other than CJ McCollum. It's back. Okay, so I am. This is really your fault. I mean, you're, you're smiling. You're, you're you're trying to act like you didn't enjoy. You didn't know this was coming. You knew this was coming because you brought it up last week, and it definitely is starting to kind of come back around. As far as look, we have issues that we've mentioned, AQ, that you touched on with free agency here. Even if we have good work from the front office as far as drafting, uh, we're not gonna be able to kind of like seed grow a whole team around Dame before he's kind of on the tail end of things. Uh, free um, pulling players in here has, has been an issue. So the best thing that we can really do is work is is have a front office that's going to work the trades. Uh, and if we're going to keep Dame and keep some of these defensive players here, it does seem like there's legitimate uh, argument to make that the player who would have the most value and uh, not take away too much from our defense would be CJ. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But I will say this, I've been keeping an eye on the Sixers because uh, a lot of Sixer fans don't want Ben Simmons. And I feel like his value is getting lower and lower. Um, and to me, like, that would be, like, my dream, like, uh, player to get. Like, if we could get steal Ben Simmons from the Sixers, 
Um, that's why we have to start spreading propaganda. You guys have to help me. Like you guys have to say Ben Simmons trash shooter. He can't play in the playoffs. <laughs> then once they lose to the Nets in like five it. games in the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever, we'll be like, hey, we'll give you CJ. You need a shooter. Give us Ben I Simmons. Love it. And then, so we're starting like, an anti Ben Simmons propaganda campaign to try and then lower his yeah. val- tank his value and get him to Portland. Yeah. This is some this is some <laughs> dark strategizing over here. I like it. Oh, okay, okay, IQ. I can I can tell Mikey might have some uh, a little more of an adverse response to, uh, no, to Simmons. I, I you actually, don't like him in a Blazers jersey? If, oh, if if the Blazers get Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum. You're like, in on that's, this. That's fantastic. All right. All right. Well, it has the Trailcaster seal of approval then. Let's do it this. Let's, make it yeah, Let's start I'm the propaganda sure. campaign. What <laughs> I say is I don't think that can happen. Uh, and they'll, they'll need to give a little more and like possibly like unload a, a bunch of first round picks or something. But yeah, like I I, I think it's, it's pretty hard to believe that the CJ McCollum's going to net you Ben Simmons uh, unless there's like another team involved or, or, or something along those lines. But if it did happen, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Like so Ben Simmons we, would be uh, Ben Simmons playing next to uh, Damian Lillard. Like, let's go. So what What else do we have to throw in for Ben Simmons? Like what else is uh, what else makes this trade work? Um, Like lots of first round picks, I would guess. Yeah. Lots of first round picks. You, like it's not you, you're, you're telling me that Philly isn't going to be happy with like. CJ and Zach Collins, or or uh, or we, you know, hey, we can toss them right. Rondé Hollis well, Jefferson. We just Zach have to. Collins, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So point be being, really happy with Zach Collins qualifying offer, and then him leaving in restricted free agency, or them having to resign him. Well, I'm just, I, <laughs> okay. So joking aside, though, for real, like, what kind of a uh, value does CJ have to Philly? Like, what kind of a uh, like out, like beyond the Blazers' uh, uh, Homer glasses here that I have like contact lenses of that never uh, leave my eyes? Uh, yeah, like how, how far well, does he go? How much? Uh, if we're spreading propaganda, CJ <laughs> is from uh, Ohio, which is kind of close to Philadelphia. Not like you know. He went to Lehigh. He went to yep. Lehigh. Yeah, he's, he's, high. Um, he's a great shooter. Uh, he's a wine enthusiast. I don't know what that means in this case, but like that just that's <laughs> that's yeah, you know, anything that can guys, guys, anything that can help. Us. Just build his, build them up. <laughs> Him and Embiid follow each other on Twitter. I don't know, like anything that can like help us here, like we'll do. Wow, can you imagine? So the the. The way that Embiid plays the heel and kind of the snark that he gets going. Can you imagine that and CJ? T- like, I, I feel like that's a that is a powerful social media or yeah, just a, a powerful combo on on Twitter and social media. All, all the all the memes you get from those two and the the kind of the side glances. <laughs> I, I would miss CJ just like from a media perspective. I just I, he's great. Like he he's such a good guy, but that backcourt, I like it's just it's not gonna work. It's 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 not getting you to the promised land, and if you want to get the Dame to like CJ back. yeah yeah the Dame CJ backcourt like I I don't think you're building a championship team around that unless you get like some other like really big pieces to to go with them uh, which I don't think the Blazers have. Yeah, and and the way that you get those pieces best the the best and easiest way to get one of those big pieces to kind of you know a, a dynamic player in here not just more role players that we can kind of you know shift around on the deck is. Again, probably by trading CJ. Okay, yeah. thank you. Appreciate you guys well, like giving me that that soapbox. Again, it's it's Trollcast tradition at this point. But AQ, yeah. I like where you're going with this. We can certainly get campaign. The campaign started for Ben Simmons sucks. So 
that Portland doesn't want him or anything. And yeah. Hey, you know who's on Twitter? Who's that? Daryl Daryl Morey. Da- I'm gonna slide <laughs> into his DMs. There we go. <laughs> like, hey man, hey big man, how are you? I feel bad about how Houston uh, kicked you out. You know, we both hate Houston here. You know, start let the start the conversation. <laughs> we, we need to get Daryl Morey on the show. He, he'd come on show. Sure. Sure. He's got nothing to do. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So obviously, when we uh, kind of teased this episode last week, uh, the you know the round two of AQ, Mikey, and myself. Uh, a lot of that was revolving around the MVP conversation, uh, where Dame stood in this conversation uh, compared to where Jokic stood in the conversation, and all the rest of the people trailing far behind, you know, injured players like LeBron, uh, players like Harden who disrespect and don't deserve any of it. Uh, but mostly it was it was Jokic and Dame, I feel like. Uh, this week has uh, kind of changed that whole conversation, wouldn't you say, Mikey? I don't think it's just this week, by the way. I, like, I, I was never with Dame being the second place for MVP conversation. Um, my second place, as I said last week, was Giannis and Tentacupo. Um No one's going to let him three people. Well, that, that's why Nikola Jokic is likely going to win. <laughs> that shouldn't and, be taken against him, though. Yeah, I, I hear you. His having a three-peat shouldn't be taken against him? No, it shouldn't. Yeah, it's, I, it's, it's just that He's also whole living up to... His, like the expectations of the Bucks being the best team in the Eastern Conference or like having the best record in the NBA the past couple of years as well. Um, but yeah, voter fatigue certainly plays a part. I honestly think that Nikola Jokic is just having the best season this year. And like, I, I think that's a, a very large part of it. Um, I think like just what he does as a passer and then like just in terms of like, so many things he does offensively. Like, for instance, his three-level scoring is absolutely insane. Like, ob- obviously, out to three-point range, he can shoot. He's not a huge volume three-point guy, but you can't leave him open there. And then what he's done in the mid-range and, like, from the, the spots on the court that are usually, like, the lowest percentage spots, he's so much better than nearly anybody else and at least usually every center. Uh, I know Joel Embiid has been fire for mid-range this year, but yeah, the, those two guys are the best offensive centers. And then when you put in the fact that Jokic is averaging close to nine assists per game. Um, and, and then the other thing is like, he's never the best defender, but I think he's doing a pretty good job defensively this year also. And then let's also like look at the factor that yes, some guys on the Nuggets have certainly like Michael Porter Jr. certainly gotten better, but Jamal Murray didn't necessarily take the step that everybody felt he was going to take after he blew up in the playoffs last year. So um, yeah, I I think it's it certainly looks like Jokic is in the driver's seat for MVP, and that would be who my favorite would be this year. How dare you bring so many stats to the argument? <laughs> <laughs> I, we, we, this I, is Trailcasters. We don't talk stats. No, go ahead. I know. Go ahead, I wanted to do more vibes, but yes. Like, and then the other thing is, like, it's always difficult to define what an MVP means. Yes, it means yes, different yes, things right. to different people. I, for one, if it's like the best player in the league and they're having like a fantastic season, and you're like, this guy looks like he should win a championship this year, I'm fine with giving that guy the MVP. But. Yeah, I, you know, it, it means different things. Like it, you, you look at supporting cast, you look at all these other factors as well. 
Yeah, I I agree that Jokic is the MVP favorite right now. That does not stop me from hating on the Denver Nuggets and hating th- that they <laughs> lose Don't every game, to. every remaining game. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like I would say Jokic favorite. Um, I think Giannis, Harden injuries kind of slowed him down. I think yep. he'll be it shouldn't be a long term injury, so potentially. But right now it's looking like Jokic, and it's looking like Jokic. And really, no major competition. Uh, Embiid's kind of been, well. I okay. Um, <laughs> I was gonna get to Dame, but I guess I'll just go ahead now. Dame uh, in the last ten games uh, has been well below par, like what his season averages are. And I blame injuries. Um, I and I blame like just kind of playing better defenses. Um, and like. I think his MVP uh, like hype has slowed down a little, but you know it's close. It's close margins. He can easily get back into that top three conversation in like a week here because it's just it's just that close. But Jokic is MVP as of right now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think Giannis is certainly in the conversation. The James Harden thing, obviously, beyond like what happened in Houston and all that stuff. Like nobody who has changed teams has ever won MVP. And then I think with him sitting out as many games as he has, like that that would be just a, a really tough sell. And I'm guessing narrative wise, like that has killed his chances. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm definitely like as far as what you said earlier too, uh, I do want to just highlight the whole thing that the MVP is not clearly defined. You, you hear Rachel Nichols on the jump, she always argues for needing two awards. Uh, we have one that would be, you know, some sort of most productive player and then most valuable to a franchise kind of thing because narrative counts and you know whether people are kind of looking at more the again the way that i often phrase it in my head is the idea of if i was starting a franchise which of these top players am i wanting to kind of build my franchise around and so you know like you mentioned james harden when you have everything that he did not just changing teams but how he went about it how he kind of did everything he could to tank one team and just didn't show up for them that disqualifies him as far as being a player that I would want to build around. Uh, Giannis is, is doing great. I think the big knack, the big knock on him has been the, the playoff uh, performances, you know, like the postseason side. But it's also a regular season award, like we've said before, like we've talked about. At the very least, it's awarded before the postseason starts, and it's supposed to be for that season. It's not supposed to be some sort of ongoing thing. So it's hard to make an argument against Giannis. But my biggest argument, uh, and, and honestly, I'd almost... I think I would. I would pick Giannis over Jokic in general if it, if, if it was you know, if there wasn't the factor of voter fatigue and kind of looking at the postseason and the rest. Jokic has done amazing things this year, but like AQ said, he plays for Denver. That uh, that's just it's an instant rival, instant kind of a uh, my Blazer homerism just can't be ignored to that level. Uh, and I think Dame's whole case, the injuries really have just like it's. It's been hard for him to carry the Blazers as far as he's carried them so far, and it's just kind of it's wearing on him a little before the season has ended. Hopefully, if the rest of the players can get healthy enough, it just sets Dame up for that perfect narrative swing where he goes from kind of the dip and takes off at the end. We vault from this fifth or sixth seed kind of placement in the West into the let's 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 get. Let, I would I would want that. You know, the ideal we we talked last week as far as uh. Let me even transition here from the MVP talk towards more of the playoff talk that we kind of touched on last week as well, IQ. But I think my ideal matchup at this point would be Blazers versus Nuggets in that like four or five spot. Because I think just just narrative wise and how we've played them before, I would love the idea. I love the storyline of going back for another 
double double overtime, right? The quadruple overtime, and let's just uh, let's let's make this uh, crazy historical run. And again, the the award technically is awarded at the end of the regular season, not the postseason. But if we all just know this story is going to happen, like if Dame's taken off at the end of the season, uh, I, I think it, I think he gets back in there, and, and Dame is suddenly the favorite for the MVP as he should be. Right? Right? Yeah. We're good. Okay. I agree. Makes sense. Uh, the last <laughs> thing I'll say is um, the team that every Blazers fan needs to be watching religiously is the Dallas Mavericks because we need them to lose every yes. game possible. They're playing the Sixers right now. Oh, Sixers pull out because I'm telling you, I don't want to be in that darn uh, playing game because last year, you know, the funny thing is, I think if the Blazers were in it, yeah, I'd there be- you go. Grab that mic. Get that mic up in your face. My bad. <laughs> The funny thing is, I think if the Wiz were to get into the plans, I would actually be weirdly confident um, with just one-off games. But if we had to play um, uh, the Warriors for like for a reason, you know, like Steph could easily go off in a random game and win the game by himself, and boom, you're out of the playoffs. And all that hard work he did all season is done. So it's like I don't want to be in it. I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, on the spot, real quick before we get out of here, I know I'm keeping you guys a little bit long, but we can dive into this one, the MVP talk and the playoff talk. We'll dive into more next week, but I just want to hear what is your not predicted seating for the West as far as like realistically, but what would be your ideal? Like I mentioned, I want that four or five between blazers and uh, blazers and nuggets. I mean, let's even let's again, if I want Dame's the MVP, I'm saying that final rocket uh, run at the end for the blazers. We're, we got to get that four seed. So it's going to be nuggets, five Denver, four. Uh, and I would put Clippers in the three, Mavericks at six and Lakers at seven. How about that? So I, I agree with you, IQ, as far as I, I don't want Mavericks winning games, but I would love to see the Lakers fall all the way down to the, that play-in tournament and have to deal with that run. But uh, Mikey, what do you think? What would be your uh, ideal kind of like storyline or, or what would you like to see in the playoffs as far as seeding goes? My hope would be the Jazz against the Warriors. For okay. the one- um, it would be Phoenix against Dallas. <sighs> I'm I'm gonna stick with Blazers Clippers. Blazers Clippers, okay. And then I'm gonna go. uh, Yeah, whoever the Lakers play in the first round, like whether it's the Clippers or the Nuggets, it's gonna suck. So like, because losing (laughs) one of those teams in the first round is too bad. Um, But yeah, I'll I'll go Nuggets uh, Lakers in the first round. That would be a crazy series. All right, AQ. How far are you dropping the Mavericks down the down the seating in your ideal matchups? Yeah, um, so I'm looking at it right now. The bracket is actually uh, looking really good for the Clippers um, as of right now because they would play us in the first round, which I think they would have to be heavy favorites. And then they would have to play the Suns or the Mavericks, which I think I think they could beat both teams in a hypothetical series. Yeah. And they would just get they would get to play the worn-out Lakers who have to play the Nuggets and the Jazz in the first two rounds. So the, the, the table looks really good for the Clippers. Um, I'm not going to change up much. I think it's going to be Jazz. Uh, and I think the Spurs eke out the AC. I think it's going to be Jazz and Spurs. Over the Warriors? Uh, I, I, over the Warriors. I, I think the Warriors, man, I, I don't think they're a good team. Like, Steph's just been carrying them. Like, okay, Dave's okay. been carrying the Blazers, but Steph's been carrying the Warriors even harder. 
But Steph's been going crazy, crazy too. That's the other thing. It wouldn't surprise me if he if yeah. they won the eight Like if you told me that, I would never. Surprise. They're only they're only literally two games behind uh, the eight Grizzlies right now, so it wouldn't surprise me. I'm gonna have I'll have Phoenix as the two seed, um, but I think Phoenix is gonna be playing the Blazers because I think we're gonna drop to the seventh seed. No, how dare I know, you? <laughs> I know. But Dallas has a much easier schedule, and remember wait, the Blazers. Wait, wait. This can't be your ideal matchups. You're, you're going back to predicting. You're going back to your 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 negativity, your doomsday, your doomsayerness. Okay, this so supposed to be you your are... dream matchups. Where, okay, <laughs> I thought you were gonna have Mavericks fall down the line. What are you okay, doing here? <laughs> I didn't know it was dream matchups. My bad. Yeah, let's go Jazz Mavs. Uh, I'll go. Oh no, Jazz Warriors. I'll go Suns Mavs. Um, and then I'll go. Uh, I'll go Clippers and Lakers first round. Oh, there we go. Fix that one up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that one. Why? No one. We hadn't mentioned that at all. Like an LA LA matchup would be great in the first round. That's why I was contemplating that last yeah. time I was doing it. Yeah. Right. And then That's Nuggets right. and Blazers. Uh, um, there we go. Some. And we would play the winner of the Jazz and my. And I still think the Blazers can beat the Jazz in a series. Like, like I think they're the most fraudulent top seed since those Toronto teams that we make the first seed all the time. No offense. You know, I actually like the Jazz. I like Mitchell. Uh, I like Gobert. I know a lot of NBA Twitter hates him. I think he's a really underrated player. Um, I like Joe Ingles. They're a fun team. I, I always rooted for Mike Conley. But I think they're they're a little fraudulent. I think the Suns, Clippers, Nuggets, and Lakers are all better than them. They just have the best record, though, which is credit to them. I agree right. with you. Okay, well, uh, I guess that's really it. Um, I have kept you guys a little long, but thank you both, AQ and Mikey, for sticking around and, and chatting. Again, this was round two. We we were supposed to be talking MVP and playoffs. We got there a little bit at the end, but even that was kind of a tease. Heard some more stuff that we can definitely go with next week. Uh, the, the the hit on the Mavs versus the hit on the Warriors. Who's, who's carrying harder, Dame versus Steph? Uh, we got some stuff to work with. So round three, maybe next week, Mikey, if you're available, if you and AQ are both around, we can talk about schedules. But yeah, uh, we will get more of this uh, coming next week. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to AQ and Mikey, as always. want to give a shout out to uh, my podcast, Viseland, Pro Insight, uh, who I do work for and has both you can find on YouTube. Viseland on every podcast platform. Thank you as always for having me, Keith, and great talking with you and AQ. Always, man. Yeah, thank you. AQ, anything you want to promote? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you for uh, inviting me, um, Keith and Michael. It's always fun to talk with you. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Abdikalis. That's at A B D I Q A L I S. Um, always love to be on the show. Um, just talking Blazers and uh, fire stats. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. I man. love the conviction. <laughs> thank you, Odar, for these fat beats. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City Basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again. And please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. <laughs>